Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Chapter 6. Just quickly here for about 20 minutes, I want to teach on a subject that I believe will tremendously help you. As an evangelist, a teacher evangelist, and traveling for many years, one of the things God gave me is an assignment, spoke it to me in prayer, uh, 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 just ingrained it into my spirit, and uh, that was this. He said to me, Rusty, when you travel, when you go out and you preach in these churches, do these conferences, these camp meetings, uh, the revival meetings that you hold, he said, do everything you can do by the word which you study, by the word which you've proved through prayer, through trusting the Lord, help people to receive from me. That's what the Lord spoke to me. He gave me an assignment as a traveling minister. Help people receive from me. That meant, meant healing. That meant uh, prosperity. Uh, we saw all kinds of wonderful miracles. We saw churches grow. We saw people blessed, businesses blessed. So I did my best. I felt like I did my best to do that, to help people to receive. Now, as a pastor... That's still true of my assignment today, to help you to receive from God. But also there is an additive to that, a, a, an exclamation that God gives me in the Word as a pastor, and that is to be an overseer and a feeder of the flock of God. So it is important that I feed you the Word of God so that you can grow thereby. But not, not only that, it is important that I help you to receive from God. Everybody needs some help. Amen. Now, I made a statement. It's been, uh, it's, it seemed like it was around Christmas time, maybe a little bit before Christmas. I know it was after fall harvest. Particular meeting we were having, I forget whether it was on a Sunday night, Wednesday night, or, or Sunday morning. But uh, it, it just under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a particular individual I was ministering to, I asked him, some of you may remember the incident, I asked him, uh, you know, are you in sin? Uh, no, no, I'm not in sin. Uh, is there anything uh, in your life in between you and God? No, no, no. And then after I asked him several questions, I made this statement. I said, well, according to what you said, there's no reason. There's no reason why you shouldn't be healed. I think we were ministering to you. There's no reason why you shouldn't be healed. Just be healed in Jesus' name. Now think about that for a minute. You're living right. You're doing right. Doing all you know to do to serve God. You read your Bible. You pray, you come to church. Most of the crowd here that's here tonight, you work in the ministry in some level, some capacity. There's no reason, church. There's no reason why you should not be able to receive from God. Then what's the problem? Why do we struggle? Why do we have difficulty? Why do we have uh, circumstances, situations that rise up that hinder us apart from sin, amen, apart from a, what, what causes us? What is it about the Word of God and this walk of faith that causes us not to be able to receive? Well, in, in teaching this over the years, being on the field, one thing I noticed, and that's what we're going to deal with tonight, is the enemy is a master at putting condemnation upon people on mistakes of your past, something you may go in, be going through, or many times something you might have gotten involved in that has caused a situation that you're believing God to get you out of. You think, well, you know, uh, I deserve this, or maybe I'm not worthy enough on this level to receive, or maybe I hadn't done everything I know to do. Here's the key. God wants you to receive. Amen. Let me say that again. God wants you to receive. You want to receive, but the devil will do everything he can do to try to get you not to receive. 
So this one area right here, I noticed it in many people's lives, especially, you know, most of the churches, I would say 75% of the churches that I preached in in the field were what we would call churches like this when independently founded by a pastor. Uh, we would call them word of faith or charismatic churches. Uh, the denominational churches, the two denominations that I preached in were the Assemblies of God, not only the Assemblies of God, but also the Pentecostal Church of God, which, as a matter of fact, I'll be doing their, their state conference this year in March. I'll be speaking in their state conference. Now, these two denominations are older denominations. I faced more of a challenge in speaking in Assemblies of God and Pentecostal Churches of God than I did in what I would call the Word of Faith of the Charismatic Churches. One reason was is because many of those people in those old-line Pentecostal churches just had a real sense of condemnation in them. They just had a real guilt sense, like, you know, I'm just so guilty. I'm just not, un, I'm just not worthy. I, I, man, you, get, you crank up some old dead song about being unworthy, and honey, they could sing it out, brother. Unworthy am I. And I mean, they could just, I just think, don't be singing that. But you got to understand there's nothing we can do that makes us worthy. Nothing we can do that makes us righteous or holy. We have that in Christ through what Jesus Christ has done for us. My mom in particular, who was a very extremely spiritual woman, an intercessor, a prayer warrior, but she struggled in this area for many years. Guilt, condemnation would come up on her, and she would spend years unable to receive from God until she could get some teaching on the inside of her that would relinquish her from that condemnation. But many times the enemy would bring that same, that same thought pattern would come back into her mind. You're not worthy. You're just not worthy. Something that had happened in the past. Something that had gone on. You're just not... Listen, the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar and you are worthy to receive from God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. Let me say that again. No condemnation. Let me say it again. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If you have condemnation in your soul, in your mind, your emotions, in your will, if you feel guilty in any way... That is not God. God will not put condemnation. God will not put guilt upon you. He will gently convict you by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and He won't make you feel bad about yourself. No matter how rank your mistake may have been. So two areas here in the book of Hebrews I want to deal with tonight. Things that were taught, especially in some of the old-line denominational churches, you may or may not be aware of some of it, but I believe in studying these things and seeing them for what they are in the Word. It will help you to receive from God. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go again unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Uh, 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 repentance from dead works, faith towards God. The doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. Now notice verse 4. For it is impossible for those. Everybody say, for those. Say, that's not me. It says it's impossible for those who were once enlightened. Now notice, let's count it. Who were once enlightened, everybody say one. Have tasted of the heavenly gift, everybody say two. Were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, everybody say three. And have, and have tasted of the, word of the good word of God, everybody say four. And of the powers of the world to come. Everybody say five. Now let me read that again. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted of the good word of God, and of the powers of the word of God, if they shall fall away to renew, here it is again, them. 
<laughs> to renew. Everybody say them. There we go. Everybody say it again. Them. Everybody say them. Not me. It, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify them to themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Now notice this. Verse 7 and 8. Doesn't even sound like it's connected. Verse 7 and 8. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. Now, so many people that I ran into, and I say so many, and I mean that especially in the denominational churches, in the Pentecostal churches, in the old line, people that were maybe two and three generations into the move of God, especially the, 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 the generation that's above me. So many people under the sway of so much condemnation, and I found, and I literally had to minister deliverance to many of these people, I found many, especially ladies, especially women, a few men, but many, especially ladies, people that were under condemnation Believing that somehow, some way, they had committed some type of, quote, sin that was unpardonable. I mean, I can see it on people. I can see it when it's on them. It's literally visible. I mean, that, the weight of that guilt. The way, and the enemy will get into your mind and replay your failures and your, all that's gone on and tell you, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You've crossed the line. You've done it now. Now notice what it's talking about here. It gives us five different criterias. This is talking about an individual. Now listen to me very plainly, clearly. This is talking about an individual who has gone through all of this experience, has tasted of the good word, word of God, is a partaker of the Holy Ghost, has experienced the powers of the world, world to come, all of these different things that are going on in their life, they have experienced it. Then they make a conscious decision, a conscious choice to turn from God. It's not that they made a mistake. They said, listen, I, the word them, that's an I, that's them. I am going to reject this. I am going to reject my salvation, my baptism in the Holy Ghost, the teaching of the Word of God, the gifts of the Spirit that I've, that I've experienced. I, they make a conscious uh, decision to reject that. Then it talks about soil. Now notice what it says again. Let me read this. This is connected to it. It says, For the earth, verse 7, For the earth with drinking of the rain that cometh up upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God, but that which beareth thorns and briars. Everybody say thorns and briars. Were you here this morning? We studied redemption. We looked at what? Thorns and briars that came upon the earth because of the fall. You must understand that thorns and briars can grow out of the same soil that a good crop of corn comes out of, that a good crop of rice, that a good crop of watermelons, or whatever you might want to enjoy, it can grow out of the same soil. So obviously these are people that have some maturity in God who have made a conscious decision to begin to plant the wrong things in their soil. And when they consciously begin to plant the wrong things in their soil, what comes up? The briars, the curse, the fall, and the effect of it. And the Bible says is it, imp it is impossible to renew them. It does not say God will not forgive them. What it actually is saying, they will not come back to God. 
they reject God to the point that they will not come back to God. That's not you. I said, that's not you. A lot of people, preachers, will get up and read this scripture and put people under such condemnation that because they went out and did some little old piddly sin, now it's impossible to be renewed. That is not what the Word of God is saying. The Word of God is showing us that there are people that make a decision. In Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, I, I find it amazing. He was teaching along these lines. He said there was a woman who was a powerful minister and said she began to do some things, say some things, get involved with some people. They began to tell her how great she was, that she was wasting her gift in the churches. She shouldn't be in the churches singing. You need to get out. You need to get over there to Nashville and up to Hollywood. And, do and, and he said, he, the, 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 the Lord showed him a vision of this woman and of this demon buzzing around her head, buzzing around her head. And he said, now that devil is telling her all that. And he's using men and he's using other people to tell her. And he said, now if she'll reject that, it'll have to leave. He said he continued to pray. Lord uh, uh, continued to lay on his heart to pray. And he said, next time he had a vision of the lady, he said that little old buzzing looking bee demon thing was now not outside of her, but in her mind. And the Lord spoke to her and said, now she's gone from being oppressed by it to being obsessed with it. So what did she begin to do? Being obsessed with something? She probably began to speak words. What am I doing in these churches? I'm wasting my time. Why well, I could make money if I was in Hollywood. Think of all the fame that I would have. Think of what would be going on in Nashville. Think of the crowds that would cut. You can imagine what she was saying. She was planting. She had developed what? Good soil. Be careful when you develop good soil. What you plant in your good soil. Make sure it's the word. Make sure it's not doubt and unbelief. Make sure it's not guilt and condemnation. Plant the good word of God. You say, why? Because it will produce... And he said he began to pray and pray and intercede. And he said the Lord gave him the third vision of the woman. And the thing had dropped from her head down into the spirit. And the Lord spoke to him and said, do not pray for her anymore. And he said the last he heard of this individual, they had gotten totally away from God. They were off into drugs, alcohol, being controlled by some men, singing in some little old beer joints and bars. And that's the last he ever heard from them. A woman that was used by God, powerful in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, made a conscious decision to turn and walk away from God. That's not you. And that's not people who just get deceived and backslide and go. No, those are people that make conscious decisions. And the Bible says they will not, they will not be renewed. God will still have mercy upon them. Listen, if God could forgive Paul for persecuting the church, Peter for denial, why, he could forgive you for anything. You've got to be willing to come back and get forgiveness, though. No matter how far you get from God, you can always come back if you want to. Now, go to, go to Hebrews 10 real quick. Look at this. This is another one people have been beaten over the head with. Look at Hebrews 10. Boy, now this is one. I've heard some preachers preach this, and man, I tell you, it felt like somebody poured cold water on a crowd. It says in verse 26 of Hebrews 10. Now listen to this one. For if we sin willfully, notice this. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour, devour the adversaries. Woo! That sounds like, listen to it. If we willfully, if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, couldn't you take that scripture and just beat the tar out of people? 
Now, first of all, who is the book of the Hebrews written to? First of all, it's written to the church. Secondly, it's written to the Jewish church, to the Hebrews. Now, if you'll go study the chapter, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote it, maybe in cooperation with Timothy, those two together. Many scholars believe that Timothy did, but if, if Timothy wrote it, Paul wrote it through him. That was his son in the Lord. Amen. It was just an echo of his, of his, of his spiritual father. Now, if you study the chapter and the scripture, it's to the Jewish people. It's to the Hebrews who are used to having for every sin a blood sacrifice. So every year a blood sacrifice would be made. Every year a blood sacrifice would be made. Every year a blood sacrifice would be made. And if they got into sin, they had faith. Hey, man, Passover's coming. Passover's coming. The priest is going to enter into the Holy of Holies. He's going to come with the blood of bulls and goats. He's going to pour it upon the mercy seat. He's going to do it for me. I'm going to get my sins forgiven. Now, he was struggling with, at this time, people who were wavering in between Christianity and Judaism. Because they would get into Christianity, they would get into sin, and instead of just going to the Father, as it says over in the book of John, which we'll go look at in a minute, instead of going to the Father and confessing their sins, believing that He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, they would panic and run where? Back to the old covenant. Running back to the old covenant, thinking, if I can hold on till Passover, then the priest will go again into the temple with the blood of bulls and goats and he would offer it up for me and I'll be cleansed again. Paul was saying to the Hebrews, ain't going to work for you, buddy. He's saying, listen, that will not work because if we willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more bulls. There remaineth no more lambs. There remaineth no more high priest in Jerusalem in the temple. Are you with me? There remaineth no sacrifice on the planet because the last sacrifice, Jesus Christ, has been given. His blood is on the mercy seat. His blood remains there forever. You can't go back to a lesser covenant, get a bull, get a goat, get a lamb, go into the go in, perform all the ordinances of that covenant. It will not work for you. Actually, one scripture says this God has taken it as he would take a blanket and folded it up and put it upon the shelf. So he's not telling you that God can't forgive you. He's telling you you can't go back to a covenant in which they offered up sacrifices of bulls and goats and get any kind of satisfaction. You cannot do it. Now, real quick, let me close with this. Go to the book of John, the, not the gospel of John. Let's go over to 1 John real quick. Now, there's been a lot of controversy over this scripture here. There's been some people teaching that this isn't for the church, but, you know, I'm going to show you right here, this is exactly for the church. Notice what it says. Let me get over here. Now notice, let's start in verse 8 of chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7 of the first epistle of John. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad? 
That's not only when you get born again, but after you're born again. Now notice, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if the truth is in you, you recognize you, recognize you still have a problem with sin. Now listen, sin means to miss the mark. That doesn't mean you're planning to rob a bank, go out and smoke crack, hopefully. That just means to miss the mark. Many times I spend time repenting, asking God to forgive me for not walking in love. Anybody ever did that? Trying to help you receive from God. For stretching the truth. You know what that's called? A lie. Anybody ever lie? Well, we'll cast lying devils out in a minute. Amen. But now notice. Notice what he's writing to us. He's writing. If we, that's including him, so he's talking to the believers, have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now notice verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. Remember, these are putting, put into chapter and verse for reference sake. This is one continual letter. My little children. So who's he talking to? My little children is the church. That's us. That's believers. My little children, these things I write unto you that you may sin not. Not that you would have a license to sin, but that you sin not. And if any man sin, any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And whereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Understand that God has made provision. Now, let me, before I say that, let me say this. Confession of sin does not bring salvation. So I want everybody to come down and confess their sins to get saved. It's not going to happen. First of all, you don't remember all of them. You'd still be at the altar confessing. No, what brings salvation? Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Thou shalt believe in thy heart, confess with thy mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But once a believer is born again, once he has been enlightened, once the truth of God has gotten into him, he recognizes when he misses the mark. He or she. He recognizes. Now listen, that's why you need to keep yourself tender. Anytime you make a mistake, confess your sin to the Lord. Be quick to ask forgiveness. Be quick to repent and get restored. Because if not, you can get calloused. I know people, there's people that drink hot drinks, hot tea and hot coffee. I've seen people that just drink scalding hot coffee and hot tea that over the years they've kind of calloused their mouth and their taste buds where if you did it, it'd blister you. But see, over the years, they just keep drinking it and keep drinking it and keep drinking it. And it just Well, see, the Bible says the deceitfulness of sin will what? Harden you. That's why so many Christians get hardened in their spirit. They don't laugh. They don't cry. They don't rejoice. They have a no emotion toward God because they get hardened in their spirit. But if you will keep your spirit man tender by staying on watch and watching out for any time you miss the mark, when you miss the mark, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, just stop and repent and say, God, forgive me. I lied. I cursed. I didn't walk in love. I did this. I did that. I looked at this. I looked at that. Lord, forgive me. I recognize I missed the mark. It's wrong. The Bible also says whatsoever is not a faith is sin. 
Lord, I tell you, I just was so full of unbelief in that situation. I ask you to forgive me. I was so, I, 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 I should have stood in faith and believe. I just, Lord, forgive If you will do that, you will keep your spirit man tender. You will keep your conscience pure. And I guarantee you, every time you miss the mark, you'll know it. You'll be quick to repent and God will be quick to restore you. But do not allow the enemy to put a sense of guilt and condemnation upon you. Even if you've committed some heinous sin and you're coming up for him, repent on the way up. I've watched people many times standing in the altar receive Jesus. They respond to altar calls because not of conviction, condemnation. Condemnation produces a feeling just like guilt does. Makes you feel bad. Many times I've looked in people's eyes and said, did you feel the weight of that lifting off of them? It wasn't the weight of their sin, it was the weight of their condemnation. And I, oh, you know, I don't understand, preachers ought to be for us and not against us. So many people in the ministry try to create some type of standard or law that alienates people from what God wants to do for them because their standard is different. I told a pastor one time when I was traveling, I said, you know, you can't try to get everybody in your congregation to be just like you are. You know, he was all complaining to me. Well, you know, we have prayer and not everybody comes and we do this and not everybody comes and I'm trying to get them to do this. And, and this guy was faithful. This guy was a prayer warrior. This guy, I mean, he had discipline. He had all this kind of stuff. And I said, your problem is instead of feeding your church the Word of God and just letting them grow the way they should and letting God take care of them, you're trying to, get, trying to get them to be just like you. And because you can't get them to be just like you, you live under condemnation and guilt. And whatever in you is going to get in your church, your whole church is living under condemnation and guilt. So I went in and preached on these, this subject right here and got them all set free. God blessed them, started the church, started to grow and increase. No matter what it may be. I'll tell you a story. I thought it was neat because people are always trying to send people to hell. Listen, I don't send nobody to hell. I believe anybody. I believe, you know, they'll cry out on their deathbed. Amen. There were two thieves that couldn't get off the cross and serve God. And they, now one of them made it. One of them did it. One of them made it. Amen. When I was in Bible school years ago, there was a lady there. Uh, who was uh, 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 from one of the different denominational churches that I mentioned. And, and you could tell that, you know, she had, had really had some problems. Her husband had committed suicide. He was a businessman, and he was part of a, one of those denominational churches and had made quite a lot of money, had given a lot of money to the church. His business went bankrupt. He got into depression and killed himself. And so we had a question and answer session with Brother Osteen, John Osteen. And Brother Osteen, uh, we, we wrote out our questions, and he would, read them and pick and so he picked hers out and opened it up and read it and, and, and it said is my husband in hell was the question so he said who wrote this the lady lifted her hand he said well what do you mean is your husband in hell so she told the story and just wept just bless her heart her heart was broken just wept she said that after he died the pastor came and said he's in hell he said during the funeral they preached that he's burning in hell burning in hell said it just broke her heart. I'll never forget Brother Osteen so tenderly anointed by the Holy Ghost. Looked at that, looked at that precious woman and said what, you could feel this thing. You could literally physically feel it. Everybody in the class could feel it break off of her. He said this, sweetheart, God wouldn't send your husband for he to hell for being sick in his head any more, any more than he would send him to hell for being sick in his stomach. He said he was just sick in his head. He's in heaven today. And you could just feel that thing break what was that condemnation guilt so many people are afraid they've committed an unpardonable sin or they've done something that also God here's here's the way I want to I don't want to really get into this deeply we may do this next week but this is 
this is where it's going to, rubber's going to hit the road. God loves me, but he didn't really like me. God loves me. I know he loves me. His word says he loves me. But you know, I've been such a mess my whole Christian life. I've, I've been such a failure. I've, 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 I, I come to church. I do what I know. To, but you know, I blew it here and I blew it there. I blew it here. God loves me, but I know he doesn't like me. That's not true. Who told you that? God didn't tell you that. That's your, God loves you and God likes you. And God cares about you. And God wants you to be blessed. And God wants to get all that gunk and junk out of you no matter what you've been through. You may have been through divorces. You may have been through bankruptcies. You may have been through all kinds of stuff. You may have been through of addictions and afflictions and all kinds of failures when it comes to serving God. God still loves you. God still likes you. God still cares about you. You need to tell the devil to shut up, to leave you alone, to go back where he's from, that you are worthy to receive healing. You are worthy to receive prosperity, that you are blessed of the Lord, that the joy of the Lord is your strength that you are a child of God and that you're his favorite as far as you're concerned don't compare yourself to somebody else don't compare yourself to me oh I tell you God likes brother Rusty yeah he lets him do this and lets him go there but me he just no no you don't listen to that garbage that is demonic that's not of God God loves you God likes you God wants you blessed God wants you to know that you're forgiven you're delivered your sins are washed away he blesses you he cares for you and you need to rise up and see that in your own heart your own spirit and you need to let go everybody say let go you need to let go of your failures your condemnation your guilt and anything in your past where you have failed God you need to let it go and say Lord I'm not carrying this another day I'm not carrying this another minute it's under the blood of Jesus and if you lift up the blood, it's not even there. You threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. If you don't know it, I choose not to know it either. Because if you let the adversary, he will talk you out of the blessings of God by creating a sense of condemnation and unworthiness in you. And if you let him do it, he will build it and callous your human heart to where it's hard to receive from God. But if you'll make a decision, hey, man, me and God are cool. We hang out together. I pray. I talk to him. He talks to me. He loves me. He cares for me. He blesses me. He has good things for me. I've made mistakes, but he's bigger than any of my mistakes. And when you begin to live like that, think like that, and confess the word like that, those senses of condemnation and guilt will be removed. And I guarantee you, healing won't be hard. Prosperity won't be hard. And all these wonderful things God wants to bless you with, they will not be hard to receive. You will receive them very easily. Amen? Did you get something tonight? Stand on your feet. Lift your hands up and thank God you're delivered. Thank God you're forgiven. Thank God you're blessed. Thank God you're free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, I'll tell you another story real quick and we'll be dismissed. On a Wednesday night service there at Lakewood years ago when I was in Bible school, somebody put in a prayer request and Brother Osteen read it. And they said on their prayer request, I'm so afraid that I've committed an unpardonable sin. So he, he waved the note and said, who is that? Come up here. So this man came out, stood in front. Hispanic man, I believe. I remember correctly. Hispanic man stood in front. 
And he said, I'm going to prove to you right now you've not committed the unpardonable sin. Because, you know, there's only one unpardonable sin. You say, what is that? Rejection of Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's the only thing you can't be pardoned for. Now, he looked at this man. He said, why did you come to church? The guy just kind of, he really didn't answer. He said, did you bring a Bible? The guy said, I did. He said, let me prove to you that you hadn't committed any type of sin that has alienated you from God. Number one, you decided to come to church tonight. Anybody who is estranged from God could care less about church. They could care less about the Bible, care less about, I said, he said, did you sing the songs we sang tonight? He said, yeah. He said, you couldn't do that if you were alienated from God. He said, do you read your Bible? I do. He said, no, that's just the enemy trying to condemn you. I see many times over the years when we've ministered to people and laid hands on them and prayed over them and literally had to speak a word of deliverance into their spirit to get them free from that. But let me just say to every person here tonight, nobody here has ever done anything that God would consider something that is not covered by His precious blood. You are forgiven. You're free. You are right with God through the finished work of Jesus. And I want you to know that is the message we have to proclaim everywhere we go. And as we do, people will see His loving kindness and His tender mercies toward us. Amen. Father, we bless Your name tonight. Thank You for this wonderful revelation. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank You, Father. There is therefore now no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank You for that. And as we leave tonight, we thank you for our safety, our protection on the highways, the byways, and everywhere the way we travel. For the protection as we go forth and work tomorrow and the chosen professions that you've blessed us with in our jobs and businesses, we are not subject to trauma and terror, anything released upon this earth through the devil and his cohorts. Thank you, Father, for a door of utterance during the week. Let us be a blessing to people, an answer to somebody's prayer, a problem to the adversary. And as we go forth tonight, we do it, Father, in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We thank you for our church. We walk in love toward one another. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. Empowered by the word. Anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. to Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.